Well, good morning, Providence. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you, Crystal, for reading that passage. Um, My name is Andrew McGill, but please just call me McGill. Uh, It's just way easier. I lost my my first name playing football. Um, But I'm one of the residents around here, and I get to open up God's word with you, and I get the pleasure to open up God's word with you this morning. Uh, As you know, we've been traveling through the book of Ephesians, and we are so close to being done. We have one more week after this in the book of Ephesians, and then we have finished it. And this morning, we get to look at the last appeal that Paul is going to make before he makes his closing statements. We get to look at one of my favorite passages, affectionately known as the armor of God. Paul reminds the Ephesians and us, really, of a really important reality, that we are in a battle. Whether or not you choose to engage in this battle or not, there is a war going on, and it is a spiritual war that is being waged over your soul. It is the battle between good and evil and life and death. Everyone knows about evil and death, but Christians, we believe that Jesus has conquered both. Providence, there is a very real enemy of your soul who has real power. And as Jesus says in John 10.10, that enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that he has conquered our enemy so that we may have life in abundance. And a man once told me that you are either in the thick of a spiritual battle or you are about to be. We are in a battle for our soul, but Christ has perfectly equipped us to not only endure that battle, but to actually come out victorious on the other side. And this passage in Ephesians about the armor of God will equip us to be ready to fight whatever the enemy might throw at us. But if you miss this passage this morning, then you will be missing out on your only chance for survival in this battle. If you miss the fact that the only way you can thrive in the midst of war is found in Christ, then you will end up another casualty in the cosmic war between good and evil. This battle is so much bigger and so much more important than getting stuck in traffic. That is not our battle. This cosmic battle is so much bigger and so much more important than keeping up with your kids' schedule. This battle is for eternity. So as we go through the text this morning, my aim is to identify three major components in our text that will actually prepare, equip, and show us how to be a conqueror and not a casualty. The first component I want to point out is the battle. The second component I want to point out is the armor, and the third is the fight. So the first is the battle, the second is the armor, and the third is the fight. Let me pray, and we'll get into our text. Father in heaven, you have given us your strength, you have given us your might, you have given us your armor, and you have equipped us in all that we need in your son Jesus to fight this war that is waging. 
Father, wherever we may be this morning, whether we are in the midst of a thick spiritual battle or we are about to be in one, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you be kind to us? Would you point us to yourself, the good news that we have victory in you already because of what Jesus has done? God, instead of being uh, downtrodden by the, the enemy this morning, Lord, would you actually remind us of your victory? that we get to be conquerors in Christ and not casualties of the enemy. So Lord, be here this morning, be with us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20. We will be camped in these passages for the morning. And I'm gonna start reading in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I titled my first point, The Battle. My friends, did you know that you woke up this morning to a battle that has been raging since the beginning of time. Paul sums up his entire letter to the Ephesians by getting them ready for war. And you can almost hear Paul's voice starting to intensify in this passage, kind of like an announcer hyping up the crowd before the team runs out onto the field. Kind of like a military general about to send his troops to storm the enemy. Here is Paul at the end of his letter making a final plea to the Ephesians. And Paul's rally cry is, be strong. Put on your armor and stand against the schemes of the devil. So in other words, Paul is saying, get ready because the fight is here. Either you are in a battle now or you're about to be. And even now, The enemy of our soul is trying to convince us either that he has far more power than he actually does or that he isn't real. And we all land in one of these camps. In one camp, there are people who attribute too much power to Satan. Everything that goes wrong in your day, you blame the enemy of your soul. If you have an argument with your husband or you get angry with your kids, It was the devil trying to get you upset. Or you hit every red light on your way to school, you're late for class and you failed that test. It was the devil. But then on the other camp, in the other camp, there are the people who don't attribute any power to the devil. There are people who don't believe that there's an enemy of your soul that wants nothing more than to lead you away from the abundant and victorious life that Christ offers. This camp believes that there is no demonic presence in the world, just sinful people and the consequences of that sin. But my friends, the Bible paints actually a very different picture. The New Testament focuses on the devil and the demonic for two purposes only. The first is to say that evil and death are defeated in Christ. The second is to warn us not to be seduced by that evil. 
My friends, everyone knows about evil and death. That's a very present reality. But my question to you is, did you know that Christ has overcome both? Did you know that Christ has defeated both? The demonic powers at work in this world, whether you see too many demons or not enough, we actually ought not spend too much time on either of these because they aren't the gospel. The gospel is that we have been given the victory and the armor of our champion, Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, you guys have already forgotten that? It hasn't been that long. For those of you who remember, whenever you hear amen, okay, we'll try this again. You're supposed to clap twice after you hear the word amen. 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 Isn't it funny how quickly we forget things? Gosh. We as Christians get to join in the victory of Christ, who has conquered both evil and death. Therefore, in Christ, we get to be conquerors, not casualties. So what is our job in this battle? Our job in this battle is to not show up unprepared. So I love this passage. I love the armor of God. It's one of my favorites, and I have a whole boatload of reasons why that is. But one reason in particular is that it actually reminds me of when I used to play football. And I played football all throughout high school and played a couple years in college down in Lincoln, not at the university, but at Nebraska Wesleyan. It's not as impressive. But when I was playing in high school, um, I remember it was either my freshman or sophomore year, uh, I was reporting for football camp. And now, for most of you in the room, you hear football camp, and immediately you think of like summer camp, where it's really, really fun and Wonderful, but I'm fairly certain our football coach actually had boot camp in mind when he was dreaming up football camp, not summer camp. People would go through the drills at football camp and workouts and then spend the rest of the day throwing up. My little brother is in the back there. You can ask him. It is very true. The Lord saw it fit also during this time, no matter when my coach scheduled it, to have the hottest week of the year land at football camp. Therefore, the ground was the driest it had ever been, and it didn't matter how in shape you were, you would be sucking wind and throwing up. But I remember it was my freshman or sophomore year, and uh, I was all ready to rock and roll, I all decked out, and as our coach blew the whistle uh, to gather everybody together, this guy gets out of his mom's minivan, jogging up, he had a mullet, he had a sleeveless muscle shirt, and he was wearing jeans. Oh, no. And as he walks up to the huddle, we're all kind of looking at him like, okay, he was not there for mandatory weights this summer. He was not running sprints to get in, uh, to get in shape for this. He had a bottle in one hand and an inhaler in the other. Nobody knew his name. Nobody knew where he came from, and nobody knew why he was wearing jeans. He was obviously very ill-prepared for what was about to happen. And over the next few days, this dude was miserable. Imagine sweating profusely, then running so much that you throw up, and then imagine you're wearing jeans. <laughs> no amount of gold bond could help that situation. 
But my teammate showed up to football camp in jeans and a sleeveless shirt. And I think we too often show up to our spiritual battle in jeans and a sleeveless shirt, only to find out that our enemy is going to run us until our insides become outside. The battle we are fighting requires godly strength and godly might, but we show up with our own version of jeans and a sleeveless shirt. Look back at verses 10 and 11. It's the the strength of the Lord, not our own. It is the might of the Lord, not our own. It is the armor of God, not our own. My first point of application this morning is this. Don't show up to football camp in jeans and a sleeveless shirt. Don't show up to this battle that is raging unprepared. Providence, your strength is not strong enough. Your might is not powerful enough. Your spiritual jeans and muscle shirt cannot stand against the schemes of the devil. But guess what? It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to because Christ offers you his strength, his might, and his armor. That means you get to show up in your weakness and the strength of Christ prevails. When you show up in your jeans and muscle shirt, Jesus gives you his strength and his armor. It is only in the strength of the Lord and his might and in his armor can we stand. So let us prepare for the battle in the power, might, and armor of Christ. So my question to you is, where are you relying on jeans and a shirt where you need to be relying on the armor and might of God? Let me invite you to instead wear the strength, might, and armor of God. Amen? Amen? There we go, that's a little better. Okay, so point one is the battle. Point two is the armor. So let's look at what type of armor God has provided for us in Christ. Picking up in verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. My second point is the armor. Paul just called the Ephesians and us to prepare for battle by standing in the strength of the Lord and to put on the armor of God. And I am so grateful that Paul actually tells us what the armor of God is. And it's actually modeled after a Roman foot soldier, which is actually pretty cool because Paul does some really, really fun stuff. And so if you get a chance, go read one of the Bible studies somewhere on the internet that goes through it way more in depth than I'm able to go this morning. But there are six things that we're supposed to put on. The first is a belt, then a breastplate, shoes, a shield, a helmet, and a sword. 
So let's dive into those just a little bit deeper, one at a time. Paul tells us first to fasten on the belt of truth. Uh, quick question, has anybody tried to run with their pants around their ankles? Doesn't go well, does not go well for you. Without the belt, you would be tripping all over yourself. Now remember, when Paul wrote this, this was before elastic waistbands. And so you needed a belt, otherwise you'll be looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. And Paul says that this belt is the truth. Mark Twain once said, if you tell the truth, you never have to remember anything. In our battle, putting on the belt of truth means no longer living in a lie. It means being unhindered by the lies we believe or the lies that we tell because we are believing and living who we are truly meant to be. But let me be clear, though. This is not your own personal truth. You don't get to define what is truth. This is specifically talking about the truth of God. This is what God says and what he says about you. So if you have found yourself tripping over the lies that you believe or tell, can I exhort you to put on God's truth so you can better fight the battle in your life? Repent and be freed by the truth. The next is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate protects your vital organs in battle. And spiritually, this is your day-to-day -day decisions. This is your right and wrong decisions that you make. It's the way you treat people. It's the way you speak. It's the way you think. And Paul says that your righteousness is your breastplate. So let me ask you, what is your breastplate look like? Every sin you have ever committed, every wrong thing you've ever done has created a hole in, the, in that righteousness. So is your breastplate ready for battle or is it more like a sleeveless muscle shirt? The righteousness of Christ that he offers us, his breastplate of righteousness is perfect. With Jesus... You get to live day to day in his righteousness. Every day is an opportunity to walk with Christ and live out of his righteousness. There is no spot, there is no weakness in that. And he offers us to put on that righteousness as your breastplate instead of our sleeveless muscle shirt. Next, we have the shoes. The shoes, which is the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So what kind of shoes do you have on for this battle? Roman soldiers had these sturdy shoes that actually had little spikes on the bottom of them, kind of like football cleats, so that when the battle came, they were actually able to get good traction when they were fighting. So... Here's a quick little story. When I was in junior high playing basketball, uh, we had a, a, one of my classmates showed up to basketball practice wearing sandals. And I know what you're thinking. Your school was really not very good at athletics, and you are absolutely correct. 
But Paul says the gospel is our shoes. The gospel is our foundation. And so a weak understanding of the gospel puts us on shaky ground with bad shoes. It's like showing up to basketball practice with with flip-flops on. But a good understanding of the gospel, that Jesus has set you free, that his spirit now lives inside of you, that prepares us for battle. It gives us a sturdy foundation and propels us to move. And that is actually why it is our first core value, first thing that we're Then we get to the very next thing, which is the first thing that we're supposed to pick up. We're supposed to take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Everything Paul has told us up to this point has been something that we wear. But the shield of faith is something that we are commanded to pick up. And I think this is actually important because providence, faith can get heavy sometimes, can't it? Like when you are in battle and the enemy is relentlessly attacking you, it can be hard to carry your faith. Picking up your faith every single morning is hard. And when life gets tough, having faith is not some cop-out as some may think. It's actually hard. And can I lean in real quick to the people in the room where you might be going through something really hard? Maybe your job is on the line or you've just lost somebody that you love, or depression, it's just overwhelming you right now. Whatever it is, the enemy will try to convince you to put your shield down, abandon your faith because it is just too heavy to keep going. But please recognize something. That is the scheme of the devil. My friends, in this season when it feels like you can't hold your shield for another second. Don't lose heart. Cry out. Cry out to the Lord for his strength. Tell your fellow soldiers next to you. The enemy will not stop his attack on you just because you are tired. The arrows will still fly. Satan does not fight fair. So pick up your shield. Hold on like your life depends on it. Because it does. The Lord will give you his strength. Your shield will hold. And your fellow soldiers next to you, we've got your back. All right, two more to go. The last bit of armor that we have is the helmet of salvation. The helmet does two things. It protects your head and identifies who you are. So practically speaking, you can lose an arm or you can lose a leg, you can lose some fingers, you can lose some toes and still live. But you lose your head, you're dead. And I wish I had time to go into the depths of all of this because it is so, so, so rich. But the salvation of the Lord through the blood of Christ is perfect and it is permanent. Once it has been placed on you, two things happen. First, it never comes off. Though the rest of your armor might fail, 
the helmet of salvation that the Lord places on you is sure. Second thing that happens is you are forever identified in battle as victorious. Your helmet of salvation ensures that you are a conqueror and not a casualty. That's some good news. Amen? Amen? All right, let's wake up a little bit. Amen? Amen? Okay, some of you in that back corner back there, just kind of, there's some coffee up here if you need some help. But. Um, so the last bit we have is actually the only offensive weapon that we have been given. It is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, or the Spirit of God has given us the only weapon that we will ever need. And it's the Word of God. And this metaphor is, again, so rich and so applicable to us today. I wish I could go into the depths of it, but I'm just going to give you a few things. As the enemy attacks us every single day, sure, there are arrows that will be fired at us. But that's what our shield of faith picks up. Then there is the hand-to-hand combat with our enemy. And I think far too often, so many of us rush into battle with all of the vigor and might that we can muster up, but we have no idea how to actually fight. That's why we must be trained. That's why we get up here on Sunday mornings and preach the word of God. That's why we go through books of the Bible to equip all of us with the word of God, our one offensive weapon. And that is why we advocate so strongly to come to the gospel classes in the morning or to read your Bible every single day is because when the enemy comes at you and is in your face, the only thing that you have to fight back is the word of God. What are you going to throw at him? Your breastplate of righteousness? Like, no, you're trying to keep him away from hitting you, right? The only thing we have is the sword of the Spirit. And the sword of the Spirit does two things. It is our last line of defense. If they get past our shield of faith, then we have a sword to deflect the blows of the enemy. And simultaneously, as we learn to wield the sword, it actually becomes a weapon where we get to slay our enemy. And so that is why it is so important that we train ourselves in God's word. So we have the armor of God. We've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. So how do we use it all? How do we use it all in battle? We know we're in a battle, and now we know about the armor that we've been given. And so to conclude Paul's rally cry, he's going to show us how to fight. So here's our third point. Start reading with me in 18. It says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. At first, it feels like Paul is kind of building up to this climactic point where he is about to tell everyone, go out there. Fight the good fight. Slay the enemy because you've been given the strength and the armor of God. Stand firm. Hold the lines. Don't give up. Have faith that you can win because Christ has already won. And then we would let out this emboldened war cry, hoorah, because General Paul 
just gave us a great speech, and now we're going to go storm the gates of hell. That's not what he said, right? Paul says that the way we fight against the schemes of the devil is by praying at all times. Day in and day out and night in and night out, we're supposed to be persevering in prayer. And can I be honest with you guys real quick? I hear Paul building this massive climax of a speech, and then when he gets to the climactic point, he starts talking about prayer, and it makes me kind of want to pull him aside and say, Paul, like, come here real quick. Bro, you were doing so well right there. All of that about the battle raging on since eternity passed and all of the armor stuff and the sword of the spirit, man, that really gets people going. But then you land on prayer, like maybe give the people something a little more exciting than prayer. And you know how I think he would have responded to me? I think he would have said, McGill, I think you missed it, man. I think you missed it. When I first read this passage, Providence, I missed it. And I think we all miss it. The armor, the battle, the strength, the might, it is only useful when we are persevering in prayer. Imagine me getting all suited up for football and I got all my pads on. I went to the athletic training room and they taped up my ankles. I'm stretched out. I go through the pregame. I get all warmed up and stretched out. I got my jersey on, number 75. And when my name is called to go into the game, I just stand on the sideline. That's what it's like when we put on the full armor of God but don't persevere in prayer. We can no more fight in the cosmic battle that rages on apart from prayer than we can play a football game standing on the sidelines. If we aren't constantly in prayer, it's like the battle is raging on around us, but we're sitting in the middle of the battlefield polishing our armor and sharpening our sword. The enemy is kicking us in, firing arrows at us, and we're doing nothing. We remain checked out of this battle because we're not sure how to fight back. We have excuses like, well, I just don't know enough of my Bible. Well, I don't have enough faith right now. Or this is going on. Or I'm too busy doing this. Or I'm too busy doing this. My boss just said this to me. My wife just said this to me. I can't keep up with my kids. I don't have enough time. I just can't do it. So this is where this all lands for us this morning. Providence, all of the strength of God and all of the armor of God has been given to you if you believe in Christ. And it is all utterly useless unless we depend on God in prayer. There is a battle that is raging on around us, and none of us get to opt out of this battle. But we are given the option to either be a conqueror or a casualty. And as we engage the enemy in this battle, I have to ask you, are you prepared? Are you in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might? Or are you still unprepared for battle wearing your jeans 
and sleeveless shirt. And maybe you are in the strength of the Lord and you have his armor on. Then I have to ask you, why aren't you fighting? Why are you on the sideline? Can I invite you to get off of the sideline and to actually enter into the fight? To quit making excuses. To quit skipping prayer nights. To pray like your life depended on it. To pray like my life depended on it. To pray like our lives depend on it. Because that is how we fight providence. And as I've been studying this passage and preparing for this morning, I've found myself very, very deeply, deeply convicted. Because as I'm thinking through the armor of God, you know what I find myself saying most times? I got this. I'm strong enough for this. I know what to do here. I've got this. So I put my jeans on and I put my sleeveless shirt on and I go start running the paces and the enemy is just annihilating me. And I hear the Lord, particularly this past week, saying, quit depending on your own strength. I've given you all of my strength and all of my might and I've given you my armor. Just rest in me. That has been a humongous point of conviction in my heart. And so the invitation that I want to extend to you is the one that God has also extended to me is to actually stop striving in our own strength and to actually lean in and actually depend on the strength of the Lord. And the second area that I've been convicted is Paul says that our job is to fight by praying. And if I'm honest with you guys, I pray at night a lot of times with my wife before we go to sleep, and it's about 45 seconds before we fall asleep. Um, I'll pray when I think about it during the day or when I meet with somebody, and I have to because that's my job. But when Paul is saying about persevering in prayer day in and day and night, that all of your thoughts are directed to the Lord in prayer, oh, I fall woefully short of that. And I was deeply, deeply convicted this, this week because I have not fought and I have not fought on your behalf. I have not been in prayer enough on your behalf. And so can I invite you to join me in praying for one another and to pray just what Paul asked for prayer for here, one, just for all of the saints in Providence. And an easy way to do this is to pray for the people in your city group by name. Every day. Go through them by name every day. And two, the other thing Paul asks for prayer for is to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. So would you pray for all of the saints in your city group? And would you pray then that they would be bold in proclaiming the gospel? And to conclude, Providence the strength and might of the Lord is available to us. The armor of God is available to us. So do we, would we stop showing up in jeans and a sleeveless shirt expecting to take on the enemy when we have a beautiful conqueror who has already defeated evil and death? 
would we rest in his power and not our own? Let me pray. Father, would we be equipped? Would we be equipped with your strength, with your power, with your righteousness? Would you give us your truth? Would you give us your righteousness? Would you give us your gospel? Would we take up the shield of faith and put on the helmet of salvation and wield the sword of the Spirit in prayer? Not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Spirit. God, I pray for those of us in the room who have fallen short, would you forgive us and help us repent and actually live out this call to, uh, to fight this cosmic battle. Lord, be with us. We are desperate for you because only in you can we be conquerors. Otherwise, we will be casualties. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.